0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge Podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. It's a joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy, right here, right now, I get to speak to a guy whose voice, I would say, was, was a part of the soundtrack of, of my 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 childhood and teenage years when i first became a fan of professional wrestling this man right here wore many hats and has worn many hats over his time in pro wrestling ladies and gentlemen this is the one and only the multi-talented play-by-play commentator extraordinaire mr kevin kelly how are you sir
1: carl it's good to be with you uh you know when you say that i am a soundtrack to your childhood and your teenage years it makes me sound very old so thank you (laughs) thank you for that So we are, uh, we're exactly 12 hours apart time zone wise, right? That's correct, sir. You're you're in uh, Western Australia, uh, the Perth area, right? Correct. And I'm on the East coast of the United States. Are you a member of TMDK? We must know this for full disclosure.
0: (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not a member of TMDK. I I don't think I have uh, enough abs to be uh, considered a member. But, uh, <laughs> I'm more of
1: the Jonah I was more of the Jonah side you know of that <laughs> I could I could look like him
0: <laughs> yeah so I've known uh, I've known Shane uh since I was a teenager so uh it's, it is a small world a very cool seeing uh guys that yeah. you know when I was first becoming a fan and I'd met them and now they're up in the big leagues so um you know it's 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 great to see you know
1: I was I I was watching a uh, a YouTube video about this is a few weeks ago about how uh, uh, lacking population Australia is that that basically there are enormous parts of there's only people on the west coast by you on the southern east coast uh, and and kind of in the middle it's uh, you know brush. So <laughs> it's it was strange. interesting. I learned I learned a lot about the geography of Australia. I didn't know. So, I, you know, Gino Gino Gambino got me interested in Australia. And now I feel like I know I feel like we're best friends, Carl, because I can I can relate to you. <laughs> but if you think about it, you know, think about where you're from, uh, where you live, um, relative uh, isolation. From the rest of the world, you know, you cannot yeah. just get up, get in your car, go to another country. Um, we can a little bit. Um, folks in Europe can do it a lot. But there again, you know, you're there in in your part of the world. And one of the top wrestlers in the world is, is from your area. You knew him since you were a kid. And I started down in Florida where I felt like I was never going to. I always wanted to be the wrestling announcer, but I never felt like I would do it because I didn't know how. I didn't know how to get the job and it all worked out and now here we are all these many years later we're talking on new technology <laughs> relatively new Zoom but we're using the power of the uh, of the internet to speak via Perth Australia and and now uh, I live in Pennsylvania so here we are I just think that it, to me stuff like that is freaking cool
0: Me too and I I always say it when I I interview a guest on the show because uh, I think it kind of I don't know, spells things out for them and makes them feel, wow, somebody from the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia. uh, We're so isolated from the very next city that we are the most isolated city in the world. When they find that out, that they have a fan, like I am a fan of yours, sir. So when they find out that, you know, they have a fan, this isolated all this way on the other side of the world that makes them feel pretty good about themselves
1: yeah i it's just it, you know again it just speaks to the power of connectivity and and how we're we're all linked and we share a common interest and so there you go so if i you know if we were together hey i'll buy you beer i'll buy you coffee whatever you want <laughs> and um we could sit and have a chat because we we would speak the same language as it were
0: exactly sir and and that that kind of brings me into my first question which is the same question i ask everybody on the show uh before you got involved in the wrestling business uh how did you become a fan of professional wrestling
1: i discovered it um kind of on accident i'm uh, i'm sorry i'm moving a program there we go um kind of on accident i i remember uh so wrestling when i uh, was born. I was born in New York City, lived there until I was nine. Then we moved to Florida. I went to high school, college there, and that you know that's where the wrestling career started. But when I lived in New York, wrestling was not on. Uh, this is in the mid '70s. It wasn't on like at 12 o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock or 10 o'clock in the morning. It was only on at midnight, uh, on one channel, and I happened to be up one night with a stomachache. And my dad was still up watching TV and there was harness racing. There's hard. Never forget this harness racing on from 1130 to 12. He's watching that half watching that. And then all of a sudden commercial comes back and now it's wrestling. And as soon as I said, Oh, look, wrestling. He jumps up out of his chair and he says, before we get going down this road, are you watching this wrestling? Let me tell you how this works. <laughs> And he proceeded to tell me how fake it all was and that it was all pre-planned and blah, 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 blood capsules and the like. And I just went, I don't care. Just move. I just want to watch the TV. I just want, I I got a stomachache. So I watched probably two thirds of that episode and then said, all right, I'm going to bed. And it was the, there wasn't anything special about it. I just remember seeing Andre the Giant in the uh, opening credits. And then... Andre the Giant was on the $6 million man for a couple episodes. And I thought that was freaking cool. So I uh, watched that and I was kind of, I was an Andre fan. I was wrestling, you know, I had interest in wrestling. And then I started to see like wrestling magazine, you know, they were probably always there, but I'd never noticed them before. A couple of wrestling magazines. Um, Then we moved to Florida, like I said, two years later. And we got, Uh, cable TV. So in New York, we only had, um, you know, you plug TV in and then you have an antenna and you get your channels that way. That was the way it used to work. Um, in Florida, everything was cable and we had never had cable before. So the cable guy finally comes to our house on Saturday morning and he's putting all the wires around the house, et cetera. And we only had the one TV, um, and plugs it in something, you know, mom or dad signs paperwork. He's on his way. And it's like, okay, let's see how this works. And we have the same TV that we had for New York. So I turn it on and the picture takes a few minutes, a few seconds to warm up, but you hear the audio right away. You hear the sound. And the first voice I heard was Gordon Soley. I didn't know that (laughs) until the TV screen warmed up. And I realized I'm watching wrestling. Um, and it was Mike Graham in the ring, Eddie Graham's son. Um, and I don't remember who he wrestled, and I'm sure Mike Graham won. But uh, then it went to an interview with Gordon after that, and I was hooked. And I never, ever, Carl never wanted to be the wrestler. I always wanted to be the announcer, even when my buddies and I were rolling around out you know, in the out in my yard, uh, or I'm a little kid and I'm playing with action figures. I was always doing the soundtrack for what I was a part of. And that's just what I always wanted to be. And then, like I said before, I didn't know how to get there. Eventually, we figured it out.
0: That's very cool. And I find it so funny, the similarities between uh, your life and my life, because when it first uh, was on television in front of me, I literally jumped out of my seat going like, wow, (laughs) what is this? I believe I saw Ron Simmons hit a double clothesline on two guys at once. And I was like, whoa, you know, I must have been about five. But my dad immediately and me couldn't let me just believe it for a second. He immediately jumped down. Like, oh no, just so you know that this this isn't actually real. And it just I, I, he let me believe Santa Claus for such a long time. Yeah, with <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> straight up, straight up had to let me well, know. Well, Santa
1: Claus is a babyface. Face. That's why, you know, you believe in the good guy.
0: <laughs> oh, that's very cool. But yes, thank you for sharing that. And um, you know, time wears on. You you, you had this uh this bug that bites you it's not going to go away you want to get involved in in broadcasting things of that nature how did you finally figure it out to how how do you worm your way to finding out how to get
1: in did you find out through the back of a magazine no it found me right so i was um going to college broadcasting and you know florida state university and good program good school uh puttering along, figuring, you know, how to graduate and just getting kind of like, you know, burned out with school. And I was, I was like, what am I going to do next? I don't know. Maybe work at a radio station. Oh, I don't know. Uh. Um, I go back home and I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to be. Um, And I get a job at the lo- local radio station. And they- I'm there just a few weeks. The phone rings. It's a local wrestling promoter calling the station to see if anybody would be interested in ring announcing his show at the county fair. Well, I had talked to when I had the interview. I had talked to, um, the program director or the, whatever she was. Yeah, but no, she wasn't the program director. Maybe she was. Uh, I talked to her about you know kind of goals, and I was like, well, I'd really like to work and you know get involved in professional wrestling as an announcer, but I don't quite know how. But you know, I know I have this skill in radio, so she remembered. She said, hey. Um, Kevin, there's a guy on the phone who's, you know, looking for a ring announcer. Get out of the way. Give me that phone. (laughs) Hello. And that was it. It It became one of my great friends, Cliff Anderson. He, um, you know, he, he, uh, he got me set up, not just working for him, but he got me my first audition for a television company. And that was only, I don't know, six months later, six months later, I'm moving. So I was at the radio station, a total of eight months. Right. And I moved to uh, Orlando because that's where we're going to start taping. The, the same model the where WCW got the idea to do the mass tapings of worldwide at the theme parks, what, you yeah. know, Ring of Honor is doing now. Um, that's what we did. We were the first ones to do that. It was called the uh, International Wrestling Federation, and we taped out of one of the sound stages at Universal. Um, and it was a partnership, you know. They kind of let us have the sound stage. We gave them all the advertising. We gave them all the free plugs, you know, because we just said, you know, it was a big commercial for Universal. Uh, it was a in- really, really brilliant concept. Um, and got to do, you know, the commentary there for that. And through, you know, and again, then it's just, then once you've done it, and if you're halfway decent, and more importantly, if you're a halfway decent fella, you can, or girl, you can find. You'll find more opportunities come your way, um, because if you're, you know, if you're so-so at your job, okay, but if you're a so-so human being, people will just go, ugh, I don't need you. But um, yeah, so made friends and and networked and became great friends with Billy Gunn, uh, who I'm contractually obligated to say that yes, <laughs> Billy Gunn got me my job with the WWF. <laughs> there you go. No money is exchanged, but I must plug Billy Gunn. <laughs> i hope i don't have to plug his kids especially now that they're those brats <laughs> i knew them when they were little babe before uh colton austin whichever one is older colton was the toddler Austin wasn't even born yet so
0: <laughs> you know what? when i see his sons wrestle i i i, I can't stop laughing because they just look so much like him I, just yes. every time I, I don't mean to laugh it's just like they're just constantly just like just two little versions of him because he's a big man and that you know they're they're probably a lot bigger than me but uh, in comparison but anyway uh so okay so thanks to Billy um is it a tryout that you do because I wanted to ask you if there was a tryout that you had to do um because you know we've heard stories of what tryouts can be like for the WWF during those days Uh, you know I know Eric Bischoff had an interesting story about having to talk to a broom or, or interview a broom or something like that well,
1: they made him sweep the floor <laughs> see it- that's how they work right they knew they knew it was Vern's son-in-law right <laughs> okay. yeah and they wanted footage of this you know cocky arrogant son-in-law of Vern gania they wanted him sweeping the floor so they said you know here's a random object here's a broom um, you know, if if we said, "Hey, uh, sweep the f- something," somehow they got them to sweep the floor, and they're all in the in the, you know, in the studio. They're all in the uh, tape room, just laughing their asses off. With wow, me, it was nice. <laughs> yes, it was a rib. Um, I had a I, I had a very good experience. The, Again, it was – so I'll tell the story quickly. I've told it before. Um, I got hired to warm up the crowd for WCW's worldwide tapings, a set of tapings that they were doing. Actually, they had moved to MGM, Disney MGM Studio, instead of Universal. And I was the yay boo guy. I would tell all the tourists when to cheer, when to boo, and when to start to clap for the comeback, you know, that type of stuff. But I'm doing it off camera. Uh, That's why those crowds were so engaged. And so lively because they were coming in for a television studio. So it was no different than the applause sign going up. It was just some. I would just say in between, look at me, look at me and I'll tell you what to do. You know, who's ever seen wrestling before? And a bunch of hands would, you know, go up. they had never seen wrestling before. Okay. Well, here's how it works. You cheer the good guys and you boo the bad guys. So, um, and I knew the timing of the matches, you know, just from knowing wrestling. So, uh, you know, rear chin lock and, you know, get up and throw a couple elbows, and so I'm getting the crowd up. Here we go. Um. Anyway, so I'm in the middle of that, and it's how long ago this was. Billy Gunn calls me on my pager, and I go to the payphone in between shows. Uh, ring him up, and he says, "Uh, call Bruce Pritchard at the office." Now, I had asked Billy because they were coming down on a run of house shows, and as had been through like 94 and into 95. They weren't bringing in Howard Finkel anymore. They were just sometimes using locals. Find out if they're going to hire a local. And if so, could I be the local? He said, okay, I'll check. And that's what I thought this was about. Call Bruce Pritchard. Oh, the ring announcing thing. No, they want to bring you up for an audition. What? Mm -hmm. All right. So I call him up. Uh, Hi, Bruce. Kevin Kelly. Hey, good to talk to you. Uh, what are you doing? I'm actually in between shows in WCW right now. I'm I'm uh I, you know <laughs> warming up the crowd here worldwide. You haven't signed a contract, have you? No, they haven't offered one. How are the shows? I kind of the shits. Okay, Kevin, we want to bring you up for an audition. Is Hogan there? His that's the question. Is Hogan there? That was the other question he had. God, no. Well, how are the shows? Kind of the shits. Um so we went, uh, and I flew. That that was what uh, June sixth, I think, and June twenty fourth. No, June sixth was the audition. Uh, flew me up, uh, picked me up in the car, drive to Stanford, and go right up into the makeup chair. Um, makeup artist Jill Jill Clark, sweetheart, was a great friend of mine for all my years there, and met Kevin Dunn. Met everybody, went downstairs, started to do the audition. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, it, it, he handed me a baseball bat, um, <laughs> and I told the story. You know, I noticed that Robin Ventura was the uh, signature on the autograph on the bat, so I told the story about him and his great hitting ability at uh, Mississippi State University. Random sports facts that <laughs> I know. Um, and then did a couple of interviews where Jim Raw with Jim Ross where Jim Ross was getting ready to wrestle Shawn Michaels for the WWF title at, at Madison Square Garden so that was kind of cool uh then JR and I went and called a couple of matches and i it was okay i didn't i didn't think i did great i didn't think i did terrible um okay that's it thank you very much and i get up and i open the door to leave the little Um, soundproof booth where they did the audio recording. And there was a lady there from HR. She hands me a Monday night raw t-shirt, the old logo. And I was like, Oh, thinking to myself, Oh man, this is the consolation prize. Thanks. Here's your t-shirt. And i got the (laughs) fuck out over here. Everybody was super nice. I get the car and I'm on the way back to the airport and I'm kicking myself like, Oh, what could I have done differently? What could I have done differently? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know, we're 10, 15 minutes down the road, and the limo driver gets a call on the car phone. It was a big deal. Um, And he, hello? Yeah? We're on 95. What? Uh, Okay. Uh, All right. We'll be there in 15 minutes. Okay, bye. They want you back. Back (laughs) for what? I didn't steal anything. (laughs) Um, So he finds the exit, gets back on the highway, goes back to the office. And there's Bruce Pritchard. And the lady that handed me the T-shirt, Lisa Wolf, and they said, we've decided we've we've uh, decided that you're the one that we want to uh, meet Vince because they had a bunch of announcers tryouts that day. Yeah, I didn't see anybody else. Uh, There was one girl that was sitting in a chair uh, when I got she was like waiting for a car ride, but it could have been for that. It could have been for something else. I don't know. But anyway, we're the one you're the one that we want to meet Vince oh okay so they had to get me from the tv studio over to the office which is just a two-minute car ride but um they got somebody to drive me over there and bring me up to the fourth floor and plop me down in a empty small conference room and then i'm sitting and waiting for vince and i'm waiting for vince carl and i'm panicking what am i gonna say to vince and he he comes in very gracious, shakes hands, sits down, talks to me just a little bit. I and and in sales vernacular, I threw up on his shoes. That's the that's the saying. Basically, I gave him everything. Blah. I'll be great. <laughs> I'll work hard. I'll do your. I'll do my best. <laughs> Loyal guy. Somehow they hired me anyway. And then on the first day was uh, June 24th, 1996, uh, which was the day after. The King of the Ring, where Stone Cold Steve Austin says, "I just whipped your ass." Austin three sixteen says, "I just whipped your ass." Many say the birth of the Attitude Era, so I take credit for the entire Attitude Era. You're all welcome.
0: <laughs> Excellent stuff. Uh, I read, um, and you know, also did you know a bit of research and, and looked at some. Uh, old episodes of Raw. I, I I didn't realize how early on in your time in the company that you actually Smack Boom in the hot seat right next to Jim Ross on Monday Night Raw. Um, I mean that, that that to me was you know that's that's pretty huge. You know uh, what was that like being kind of not thrown into the deep end because you already have a bit of experience, but I mean this is this is Monday Night Raw. This is with Jim Ross. Uh, how how was that for you?
1: uh unbelievably nerve-wracking uh and, and i think and in hindsight i go back uh, i i think okay why did they just throw me out there and, and, and again it wasn't just like they kept me in a isolation booth or parked me at home and then called me up and said monday show up and you're gonna do raw so i was Watching and and learning and getting to know people and figuring things out the way they did TV. I did others was doing other syndicated shows back in Stanford. A lot of listening, a lot of watching of uh, other announcers doing the same jobs. So I was preparing, I guess, as best you can. Um, but it go. I think it goes back to the model of the way Vince Senior, his father, would book um, wrestlers coming in to wrestle Bruno or Bob Backlund. You would come in and wrestle the champ first. And then if you if they liked you, if it drew, if it was good, engaging, whatever, then you, might, you would get a rematch or another rematch, and then Bruno would beat you in the cage. Then you would step down and start to wrestle the other guys and eventually kind of put everybody over on your way out, and then that would be it. But it, it, that's the only thing I could think of because, boy, it doesn't make sense to take somebody – Really freaking new and without any fanfare or hype. And the reason I got hired, the reason that they wanted another announcer is because Vince didn't want to announce anymore. He wanted to produce TV behind the scenes. So I was sitting in his chair. So I'm, you know, flanked by G- Jim Ross and the King. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that was just it. Let's see what we got. And let's throw him out there and, and sink or swim. And I did okay. It wasn't great. The first show, I never will forget this. It was in Wheeling, West Virginia, which is a cool kind of industrial town. Um, and it was freaking hot. Again, it was August. It was the day after SummerSlam. And there was no air conditioning in the Wheeling Civic Center. And it was like record heat wave, like 97 degrees. So 40, 40 degrees for you, let's say. That's about what it was. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. In the building with no air conditioning. Hot lights, thousands of people. Oh, my God. And uh, Shawn Michaels wrestled Yokozuna in the main event. It was Yoko's last television appearance. Um, And Shawn Michaels had beaten Vader the night before and now was wrestling Yoko, so he was wrestling over one ton of of man in, in the course of back-to-back nights. And how could um, more guts than brains... How could Shawn Michaels overcome this? And uh, the fans did not nearly see him overcome it. <clears throat> not because of the heat or anything like that, but rather they almost went over time. So Shawn Michaels finally, and they're screaming in the headsets. Not at me, <laughs> but they're screaming in the headsets. Go home, go home, go home. Please, please, please. Shawn Michaels finally hits the super kick. Sweet in music cover, one, two, three. Good night from Wheeling. We'll see you next week off the air. It was that close. Wow. <laughs> so uh yeah. And <clears throat> then <clears throat> excuse me, then either before or after? No, it would have been before. We taped other stuff. Um and so those those aired in subsequent weeks. We were doing one live and then th- the next 3 weeks were taped. Yeah. So It was, um, it was, you know, and I did that for a few months and then they took me off and then, um, and without a lot of feedback, that was kind of the mental side of it. I, I, I'm 20, how old am I at this point? 29 and I'm going, wait, did I do good? Did I do bad? I don't know. I didn't understand just to kind of go with the flow yet. And it's, you know, it's a fake subjective business. So what are you going to say? Uh, you, fourteen percent of the time, you said the incorrect. No, there's nobody like that. They just—it's <laughs> a feel. Um, that that fake subjective line—that's a Danny Doring. I give him all the credit in the world. Um, but the, yeah. So so then I, I'm in not really entrenched either. Because I only have a one-year contract, Carl. <laughs> right. And you had to move your family up. And lo and behold, at the end of that year, Kevin Dunn didn't didn't want me sticking around.
0: Uh,
1: uh, remember that we've decided we, we want you to meet Vince? Yes. Well, the vote was two to one. Two to one. Two for one against. Bruce Pritchard, Lisa Wolf said aye. Kevin Dunn. And I had to report to Kevin Dunn. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying he harbored a grudge, but I'm saying he harbored a grudge. He didn't like Amen. me. Oh, I, used nice. to, I was too. I was too. I was too wrestling. Well, I came for wrestling. What do you want? It's a and, wrestling show. <laughs> ah,
0: ah. Oh wait a minute! Sorry. <laughs> start,
1: don't you start with that, Carl? That's wrong, <laughs> and you know it. Oh dear. It's, the insanity! It's, it's freaking crazy. insane. But somehow I lasted. Okay, but somehow I didn't get fired, and somehow I I wound up sticking around seven years. Go figure.
0: That's great stuff, Kevin. And 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 one thing I wanted to ask you about, because there, there's something about this thing that frustrates me these days, but back in the day, it, it never bothered me at all, because back in these days on television, they treated the backstage interviewers like actual journalists rushing around, trying to get the scoop on the developments of whatever the dramatic situation was on that evening's episode. Yourself, Cole, coach... And the often considered obscure backstage interviewer, Lucas. Uh, I'd, like ah. it, I'd like your uh, opinion on this change because I feel like now what they've done with the backstage interview in every company, every company, is water it down. Someone is asked a question and eight out of 10 times, whether it's WWE, NXT, AEW, Impact. There's this lazy habit of companies. Um, that they're in where they just have somebody interrupt the interview by walking in 10 seconds in whilst they're in the middle of their answer. And then they have their confrontation and then they walk off and then the interviewer stands there and just.
1: Right. And then we fade out. What I was happens- guilty of? I was guilty of being that lazy. You said the word lazy. Oh, the whole concept is lazy. Uh, from setup to execution. Um. Nobody is willing, able, or understanding of everything needs explanation. Why is there a camera here? Why are we interviewing? What is the point of this thing? And it 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 changed and morphed as the, uh, and again, I, WWF is the driver of everything. As far as I am concerned, they set the pace. What they do, then everybody else does. Most of the time, WWF will do it the best, and then you get the watered-down versions from there. Um, so it was kind of in that, do we need to explain the camera? Well, we're a television show, pal. Um, and, and there was that push and pull of changing it from a sports-based presentation to it being a action dramedy, et cetera, television program, much like you would see other places. That's That was the rationale. And again, that's not like conscious decision. And we're going to put out a press release that says we're no longer a sports-based presentation, but rather we're sports entertainment. It just became part of the vernacular. Uh, I don't remember ever being told not to say wrestling. Because I've gone back and I've listened, people, you know, share YouTube clips or whatever, and I've listened to old matches that I've called, and I've said wrestling throughout. So I think that was after me. I left in 2003. So that may not have been a hard, fast rule back then, nor was it enforced if it was, but I'm sure that if I would have said sports entertainment, Vince would have probably liked it, And but I don't ever remember him saying that word. But that's it. That's the evolution. And Then from there, it gets very lazy. Uh, And a lot of what WWF has done over the last, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years has been a little bit. uh, Some of it's good, some of it's atrocious, and a lot of it's just there. It's not as exciting as it once was. You know, there used to be 10 million people that watch wrestling on Monday nights in the United States of America. And now they're jumping up and down if they get one million, two million for Raw, two and two and a half million for SmackDown. Where did all the people go? Were they taken up in the rapture? Did did the UFOs get them? Or did they just find something else to do? That's it. <laughs> I don't understand. People cut the cord down. And that's the big thing. We don't have cable anymore. You mean to tell me that people don't watch television? I don't know about that. What are they watching? Why can't they – why is there no measurement of a television audience other than the antiquated Nielsen system, which is just ridiculous? I can't imagine if I'm I'm logged in. Like I would assume – so we're doing this uh, interview via Zoom. I would imagine that the folks at Zoom know that we're doing this interview. And they know that you're logged in and I'm logged in and there's two people doing this. Yeah. Well, why can't TV do the same thing? This is what I don't understand. Why can't we get real hard numbers? Yeah. Not approximates based upon averages and blah, blah, blahs. But there were 974,642 people watching this segment. And then everything split second people are logging in or logging off and the number is just like this now there you take your average but it's built upon reality i don't understand this i think you and i should get into the um science business and develop this technology <laughs> you and perth and me in pennsylvania will make money we'll make millions millions i say unless they really don't want to know the information and then then we're out
0: so <laughs> thank you for the insight there kevin uh i just i just feel like Back, back in the day, they, they treated like at least the, the interviewer's position as if they were actually in the trenches trying to get the scoop on the story as opposed to now it's just somebody asking a question for the excuse of some sort of uh, confrontation between two people lazily put together. That's just my Correct. point of view. Um, <laughs> Uh, you you seem to uh you know as as time has worn on in your time in the in the WWF, you you wear a lot of hats. There are a lot of things that you did, um. You know whether uh, I'm watching an episode of of WWF Superstars and you're doing the voiceover for the whole episode as we're finding out about I don't know China on the set of Third Rock from the Sun, etc. Um, I think also maybe you do some work for the magazine. Could you? Tell me like what a usual week would be for you start oh. to finish when you were wearing the most hats possible in your time in the WWF.
1: What a horrible time. No, it was fun. Uh, uh, working in the office every day uh, over in the tower, uh, being the managing editor of the magazines for a couple of years. And that involved, you know, writing stuff and then just making sure that the flow of copy was getting in on time and, getting to the copy editor, getting to the um, page designers and then turning it into a magazine, basically all it was. Um, And then helping out with, you know, uh, first it was the AOL uh, site and then it became, you know, the infant WWF.com. Then it would be bouncing back and forth. So at a random, you know, at a certain time, set time, I'd go over to the studio to do uh, voiceovers and then come back to the, you know, the desk, do the magazine thing. Um, Wednesday. Okay. So, but then if I had TV, cause then, you know, then we started to throw the travel in and you'd get up, let's just say it's a non pay-per-view week um, Sunday, generally fly out, get to the town, sometimes it was monday sometimes you drove but it, only if it was in the northeast and um uh, you know get up do raw and then tuesday superstars fly home wednesday wednesday voiceovers after landing in the you know late morning early afternoon whatever it was and going to the office doing the magazine thing for a few hours then they would call and say, okay, the shows are ready. Come on over. Do the voiceovers. Do that. Thursday had more voiceovers, more uh magazine stuff. Friday morning, superstars recording. Um, Full day at the office Friday. Uh, One day off a week, generally Saturday. And then unless we had pay-per-view, and then Saturday was the travel day. Right. Wash, rinse, repeat. Okay, so
0: excellent. I, cause I, I interviewed Scott Hudson from, uh, you know, uh, his time in Doug great studio. man. And yes, Love he's, him. he's actually the reason why I started doing this podcast. Cause we spoke on the phone for about six hours once. Cause I wanted to ask him every single little nerdy question that no one would ever care about. So I wanted to know all the little things that went into <laughs> the job that he did. Uh, and he was very gracious with his time, but you know, I kind of, I kind of see you in, in Scott Hudson, very similar in the roles that you were in, because you are doing a lot of different things behind the scenes. Um, One thing that I, this is the question that I, a lot of people out there might be surprised by this, but this is the question that I'm most excited to ask you because I have searched on the internet, tried to find out the reason behind some of this and I just can't figure it out. Um, You and of course, Dr. Tom were a commentary team for WWF Metal which i believe yes. based shotgun saturday night uh but i've seen for years that sometimes it's called wwf jacked sometimes it's metal sometimes it's jacked every copy i've seen of the show was always wwf metal i've never seen anything come up as wwf jacked it sounds like a weird question but what what is the difference between the two shows
1: uh just it was so if memory serves me correctly there was Metal was more of the international version of Shotgun Saturday night again uh because of gun laws and programming you know having a show called Shotgun in England for example wasn't going to fly right So they came up with the more generic name of metal. And then I think Jacked became the name of the show after the name Shotgun Saturday Night went away, I believe. So basically it was the two shows or uh, it was the same show just with one was for international markets and one was for US markets. Um yeah. and it's very common because of segment lengths it, I, I you can't just take the same show and that airs in the US and send it to a foreign broadcaster and just say, well, you guys it'll air the commercials will air when we put them in No, this is our commercial times so you have to edit your segments down so that they fit into the construct. Of the international program, right. It, therefore, it required a re-edit a lot of time. so they would cut entrances. You'd get at the random crowd shot, and you know, wrestler A would be in the ring. Uh, and it was tricky for them to do. It was a sometimes a really tough task to cobble together a show. But um yeah, i, I without because that was not part of my job to understand, uh, you know, syndicated programming. That I think is the best answer, the most accurate answer I could possibly give you.
0: Okay. Regarding
1: well, I... this very nerdy subject, but I do love it.
0: <laughs> Good. I'm glad that, that you you liked it because I felt myself as I was asking this. Wow, this is really nerdy, and I'm not sure if anyone out there cares as much as I do about this, but I do. Um, I find you're it trying to, to break.
1: Very... I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm gonna say that you like logic. And when yes. things logically don't make sense, you go you know w t f and, and you try to find out the logic behind the illogical yeah, and i and i'm and I'm just like, uh yeah, we can't I can't explain it I just <laughs> it just is what it is sometimes is what it is is the answer um, awesome,
0: awesome, no, but yeah,
1: so don't break. Don't be too, uh, you know, don't try to be- bring logic into this illogical world.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I really like used to poke at Scott Hudson and be like, don't tell me you really we used to sit there, Larry's Abisko and do your commentary for two hours of Saturday night in 1999 and then do it again for an English audience with references to English soccer and the royal family. And he's like, yeah, that's what we did. I'm like, yes. God, just." blows my mind that it's
1: just four we we would do the same show three or four different times
0: oh my gosh
1: depending on what was going on sometimes you would do customized canada versions of the shows with a ton of uh ticket plugs hey we're coming to and it would be like a whole canadian tour so it was a lot of small Towns and it was it you know uh, sponsorships with these specific stores and the you know kind of the address at the corner of Seventeenth and Maine and right. you know walk of Shaw Bush, um, <laughs> and so yeah, it was it was a lot and yeah, you get kind of you know rattling and brief, but you certainly know the matches, right? And,
0: Interesting,
1: and so it'd be like. Well, the cutoff's coming, so let's get the point in. And then once the cutoff's coming, then you know, there's the break. So we're going to break and then we're coming out of break and we know how much time we have before the comeback starts before he starts throwing some elbows into the guy's midsection and hits the ropes. <laughs> um three elbows and runs of the ropes. And but that was the so yeah, you got good at it. And but a couple times, you know, you'd get Depending on the time of the day or the circumstances, you get kind of slappy <laughs> because you've called the same show three, four, five times now.
0: <laughs> it's, I think it's I think it's incredible, and I hope everyone out there that might not have known about this maybe throws a little bit more respect on some of uh, uh, the commentators of 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 professional wrestling and what they've had to go
1: through over the years. Bobby Heenan said it beats carrying refrigerators. pretty easy freaking job dude it's not it isn't that bad um more of the editors and the producers who needed to make these square pegs fit into round holes Mm. uh it was sometimes it was really tough um and i would just be like i don't know how you do this and how you make this nobody knows how the sausage is made they're not seeing this and if they're watching the finished product at home they have no idea what you had to do to make these segments fit but it all it watches like a good tv show a good wrestling show i the fans would be none the wiser so good job
0: i also read that uh you you've been involved uh during those years uh, as a talent scout yes. uh what was that process like uh you know having to go to all these different Places to scout talent? Are, are there any notable names uh, of talent that you recommended that, um, you know, maybe did make a name for themselves or people that you thought really had the opportunity or, or could have had the opportunity to make a name for themselves, but for some reason uh, didn't pan
1: out? In So in the... Uh, somewhere 99, 2000, 2000... Yeah, let's say 2000. And the developmental system is up and running. Uh, Cornette leaves to take over OVW. I talked to him about kind of transitioning into his role, um, where it was more like just manager, just making sure that, um, the, uh, you know, things are getting done and, uh, people are asking for different information. Okay. I can have it, um, be the one source for that. Also booking the extras, uh, the enhancement guys for TV which was becoming easier. It used to, again, be back in the day, you needed 25 guys because you were doing this big cattle call of matches, just recording everything. They were all squash matches and nobody cared who any of these dudes were. Just do they have gear? Um, And that's it. But anyway, so I looked at it like, let's see if we could find some people that we might want to hire because there's a lot of good talent out there and there's nothing wrong with, Um, a named guy beating this young up and coming, you know, hot name on the independence that nobody's really heard of nationally uh, in a semi-competitive match on a syndicated wrestling program. Yeah. Um, And again, it was a little bit of that. What is, what is it? What are we? Are we sports? Wouldn't have, wouldn't have the boxing promoter, is putting together a boxing television show. Isn't he going to want the best fights? Well, that's what I thought because, but I we, I knew we weren't in the business of selling tickets anymore, even though we kind of did. Um, but regardless, it was a little bit of push and pull. So the Haas brothers, first ones to come to mind, Charlie Haas and his and his brother Russ, who tragically passed away, twenty eight years old, heart attack. Um, they, I started working with getting to know some of the independent promoters and started being involved in some of their shows. Again, it was kind of some of the things that Cornette was doing that I just really took over. Um, and so I got to see more guys and I got to understand like kind of booking cards and putting together matches, making things fit. They had, they had their guys. Let's see these guys. Let's try to make it all fit together. Uh ECWA, uh, you know, which was, of course, uh, Jim Kettner's promotion and the and the home of the Super 8. That was where I met the Haas brothers. Uh, they were from New Jersey. They had gone to Seton Hall University. They were both from Oklahoma. They wanted to be they were great amateur wrestlers. They also did gymnastics. And uh, but they were also college educated and both were working. Charlie was working on Wall Street um, and Russell was working for waste management. They had you know, six figure jobs. They were doing great, but they wanted to be in wrestling and we got them there. Um, that was where we first met the Briscoes. Um, you know, had fun beating up on the Briscoe brothers. That was awesome. <laughs> um, I booked a uh, low key for, um, Madison square garden. I always tried to pick like, you know, of course, regionally, Hey, you're from New York. You're from Boston. That's where like, um, my friend, brutal Bob Evans, one of my, you know, my great friends. He got to be on a lot of different shows every time we were up in New England. So Boston, Worcester, Providence, etc. I always made sure that that Bob was there. Why? Because he was reliable. Because he was good, and he. But he also stayed in contact with me, and he would look at the schedule and say, "Hey Kevin, I'm going to be. You guys are going to be in in uh, six weeks. You're going to be in Providence. Okay, you're there. It just took one thing off of my plate." Um. But if he was lousy, I wouldn't have used him because there were a lot of guys like that. It was the phone was ringing all day long. And a lot of times it was guys that weren't that great. Um, but I'm encouraging them to do things to get better anyway. So uh, low key at Madison Square Garden. Pretty cool. Right. Gets to wrestle Christian. Christian knew who he was. Christian wanted to. And again, the boys were great. They were like, we want to help, you know, Brandon get a job. We think he's pretty cool. Um Christian gives away a lot of the match. They have this really, really good back and forth competitive match. And at the end, I was told that Christian got kind of chewed out a little bit, like, cause the enhancement match was for him to get over. And he just wanted to make a good match, which again, what are we? <laughs> Push or pull? Um, that didn't, there was no heat on Loki, no heat on me. I'm just putting guys in spots. Um, but yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that a lot. And then as the developmental group uh, expanded, Memphis got more involved there. OVW was solid. Uh, there was a group in LA. There was a group in Puerto Rico. Then everything kind of morphed into Cincinnati. That was about the time of the WCW sale uh, mm-hmm. with Les Thatcher. And did stuff there. Uh, and then probably 2002 i was i was traded i got traded over to the tv studio because they wanted me to help produce confidential
0: i see right yes because you've uh i've had several guests on the show over the last two and a half years done this show uh you know give you a lot of props and and a lot of thank yous Uh, i'll I'll name a couple of them scoot andrews of course
1: oh my boy
0: (laughs) uh billy fives And another
1: Florida guy, another great.
0: That's right. He, he's fantastic. And uh, of course, uh J.R. Ryder. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he kept having this idea because of course, test, you know, he was like he was <laughs> yeah. on the scene at the time, and he said, I look like test. Yeah, you do, you do, but I'm not as big as he is. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Well, what if I was quiz?
0: <laughs> Horrible. <laughs>
1: No, he was great. All those guys were great. I loved those guys. I brought all of them to ECWA with me. I brought all of them to t- tapings wherever I could. Um, I just wanted to be around my friends. Here was a good one. Um, so, was it Russ or Charlie? One of the Haas brothers had gotten boots. They ordered new boots. But when the boots were shipped, they had giant soles on the boots. Like, two inches. Way too big. Um and you start to wear that around and it's like, what are you trying to be tall? <laughs> okay. So Kevin, we've gotten these boots and we need to have the bottoms trimmed down just for today, and then we'll get them resold when we get home. Uh ah. Okay, I'll try I'll ask around. So I asked a couple of the guys, you know, on the crew, whatever. Mark Eaton was very helpful in this regard. And we were in Hartford, Connecticut, but it was like uh, it was a holiday, I, I, Veterans Day, uh, some some sort of holiday where everything literally was closed. So an hour or so goes by, and he's like, man, I, tr- I tried to find some place. There's no place open that's going to be able to do this. All right, I'll give him back their boots. So they're watching the pay-per-view from the night before the Haas brothers, and they're watching it in catering, The Undertaker, Kane, Chris Jericho, all sitting there. And I drop the boots on the table and I go, here you go, Frankenstein, just like you wanted two inch lifts. And I turn (laughs) around and I walk away and Taker looks back and he's looking at the boots and he's looking at the boys like, what the hell? And Russ, Charlie, you son of a bitch. Oh God, you son of a bitch. And I couldn't stop laughing. (laughs) That's what we did. We had fun. It is
0: fun. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Um, so, okay. Uh, I really thank you for your time, Kevin. I haven't got too many questions remaining. Um, you know, so I really appreciate That's a lie.
1: That. You're just out uh, of time. <laughs> getting close. You've to, got a hundred, you've got a hundred questions.
0: <laughs> no, I wrote 20, uh, but, uh, on, the, think- se- on the
1: September 5th episode. <laughs> uh, and It's okay. Other friends of mine that are in the industry, uh, and do the same thing with me, just granular detail. And I'm like, I don't remember that, (laughs) you know? And then if they refresh my memory, I'm like, okay, yeah, I kind of remember that. But they're (laughs) like, why did this happen? I don't know. (laughs) What is your problem? (laughs) I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. That's cool, Kevin.
0: Um, Okay, look, if if I put out an interview with you and I didn't bring up The Rock, then people will get on my case but usually i try be to like, steer away from usually I try to steer away from the obvious question that oh, what well, we you ask him about the rock but um i have to um so did you two work things out beforehand what would happen or would he surprise you cuz you know he, he you know he was very good at making fun of you know coach was called oh
1: coach yeah coach. a little bit coach. of both a- 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 sometimes cold. we'd walk through we'd walk through what was going to be the bit um uh, sometimes not sometimes he would um you know, and then I'll cut you off here, okay, if I didn't necessarily know what the cutoff would be sometimes he would say, if I ask you a question, answer it this way right, okay, but pretty much that was about it
0: cool and
1: that- I would just say, you know, um, I'm gonna ask the question my Kevin Kelly's role. In this, I had a motivation. I wanted to ask the rock the pertinent question, and I wanted the rock to finally say, Kevin, the rock has been giving you a hard time all these months. I just, the rock wants to let you know you're doing a hell of a job. That's a great question. And then gives the answer. (laughs) That's what I worked for every time. (laughs) I've got this question nailed down. I'm, I'm proper. I'm prepared. I'm on time. I'm waiting anxiously outside the rocks locker room. And when we come back, we'll hear from the great one himself. So I get to ask the question, and when he would put up the hand and stop me, it was a soul crusher. And then the zing, I would be, like, unaware of it because I was just so crestfallen and I didn't get to ask my question. And I'm Elmer Fudd just stepping on the rake every week, and it's smashing into my face. That's, that's the job. That's what my job was. I was the foil for him. Um, you notice nobody does that. How many, who does the live, live interview now? They'll do it live in the ring. They'll pipe in the sound to make it sound as if it's live. But these were freaking live, live, man. Even on the recorded shows, even on SmackDowns that were recorded or Sunday Night Heat that was recorded. They were live, live. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing.
0: Super cool. That's all I really wanted to know about you and The Rock. I did not want to have to go on you know, go on and on about it, but I just th- wondering if he surprised you at times, because sometimes when oh. he would do it to Michael Cole, sometimes I feel like he actually scared the shit out of Michael for a second. Maybe Michael just sold it really well, but like, you know, he'd be very abrupt and all of a sudden start shouting and... Um,
1: Everybody had their different reacts. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I, that was... Michael Cole did have that scared shitless look several times um, but he's stuck around isn't that funny yeah like he and I are uh, you know the cheese stands alone that's <laughs> it that's pretty much it here we are yeah um,
0: okay I've read this today have to ask you about it is it true and you know, I know it's true but I need to know like how this went about because this shows such big balls and almost like almost George Costanza style balls here because Uh, I I heard that Jr. was told to call you on the phone and 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 tell you that you were being released in 2001 on your 34th birthday. And you said, "Um, no, uh, I don't want to be fired and I'll come in tomorrow and and I'll I'll have a conversation with you about it. And then you did not be fired. You weren't fired and you still stuck around the company for a few years. Could you tell me about these big balls of yours?
1: I was in the process of buying a house. The closing was a couple of weeks away. (laughs) You can't fire me. I've already told my landlord I'm moving. I'm buying a house. Do you even know what I do, JR? Do you even know how many hats I wear? Who's going to do all the jobs Mm -hmm. that I do if you're letting me go? We need to talk about this, man. We need to talk about this because I know it's not going to work for me. (laughs) And he said, okay. Yeah, what the cool. hell, dude? He I was gonna get fired. What is he? What's the worst that could happen? he going to shoot me with a gun. I didn't call him an asshole. I didn't call him an mf'er. I just said, hey, no. <laughs> what are you and gonna do? Double fired. fire me? <laughs> yeah, because double to secret me, preparation.
0: To me, it makes like the, this is just a fan coming coming from the fan in me. Like it makes no sense that Kevin Kelly was not going to be there anymore because you know. Being from Australia, even in 2003, 2004, even during then, like the internet, you know, it wasn't that like prominent over here. It was still like dial-up internet. So like you didn't know, you didn't, all of a sudden, too cold Scorpio is no longer in the job squad or in the WWF. I never knew what happened to him or I wonder what happened to that guy. You'd always think like, whatever happened to this person? Because they were there one minute and then you you couldn't find any information at the time knowing where they were so for, for me though you were on so many different things so yes you wore so many hats so to me it's just like why
1: why crazy why why <laughs> <laughs> then oh. when they finally did fire me i knew it was coming but i was the last one to get cut right it was 03, and they had been going department by department by department and you hear about it every you know this Friday, last Friday, Friday before that, people are being let go. I knew it was coming. I was in the last round. Um, and everybody was very nice. And they said, we're going to give you, because you were here seven, almost seven full years, a couple of weeks shy of seven full years. We would treat that like as if you were here eight years, and we'll give you four months of severance. And I said, uh I did a lot of work while I was here. I had two, three jobs at a time. I'd like six months severance, please. I feel I've deserved it. And the lady said, okay, (laughs) six months. Again, why not ask? It's the worst that's going to happen. I didn't ask for anything ridiculous. I asked for a couple of extra months of severance. It's all the difference in the world, too, because I was out of work 11 months, and I'll tell you what, man, uh, the, they were they were wanting the townhouse I lived in, the bank. Wow. They wanted either paid or possession of the, you know, give us the keys or pay us the money you owe us. I don't have it. I'm working on it. So, yeah, it was tough, but we got through it. Everything worked out.
0: They have, uh, you know, uh, you've been able to become, you know, the, the main play by play guy for Ring of Honor. Of course, uh, you, you do a lot of work for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh,
1: the, the, the I've Kevin started Kelly's my own promotion, American uh, Excellence Wrestling.
0: Of course. And Ham- that right historic
1: well. historic Hamburg Fieldhouse, our next event, Saturday, April the 29th. And get your tickets at axwtix.com. Fans in Australia, you want to find out the comings and goings of American Excellence Wrestling, patreon.com slash axw and become a subscriber.
0: Yes. Thank all that information fun. will be in the description on YouTube yes. when this goes out. So please check it out. Like
1: and subscribe.
0: You must be stoked. And share. You must be stoked. Kevin.
1: I am. I'm thrilled. I love going to Japan back and forth. I'm happy now that the pandemic is over and that we don't have to wear stupid masks anymore. Uh, I just, you know, again, it's, it's fun and I come back and I sleep a couple of days and then I'm good to go fresh as a daisy. Um, uh, and my wife makes me work outside and I'm old and I was very sore the last couple of days. Um, <laughs> cause I'm, I'm not made for this. I never have been. I've always been a, I was been a city mouse and, and I live in the country. So we have a garden and we have chickens and awesome. And I'm always, I'm always sore. That's good. Like I I have like- Oh, my freaking hands, dude. Like I got so many little like cuts on my hands from fence and pulling fence and pulling up tarp and digging stuff and cutting back. Oh, god sucks
0: i love being in the game. it car.
1: absolutely sucks
0: <laughs> i had a one random terrible storyline idea that i thought would be great or would have been oh, good. great let's, back in the day let's um, pitch it let's hear it okay back in the day i'm talking like i don't know i don't know maybe this is 2007 2008 i thought it would have been really cool to bring kevin kelly back as an on-screen character as kelly kelly's father
1: whoa come on man you would have been nineteen no. at the time
0: that she was born.
1: <laughs> no, I was no older brother. Older brother. Older brother. Uncle. <laughs> Uncle. Uncle is funny. Uncle. Okay. Father. Um, no, I no no. was I been,
0: said <laughs> I said to my friend when I was been interviewing cr- Kevin cr- Kelly yesterday, and he said, "Oh, at, th- at first I thought it said Kelly Kelly." And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I never really thought about it.
1: We've never met. I would love to meet her.
0: So would I. She's actually born on the same day in the same year as me. Got the same date of birth. Yeah. Same, oh, I got got the same born, birthday as You were as born
1: fir- No, January 15th. You were born first, though. You were born first. Probably. Yeah. So you're <laughs> therefore older. You are always at least 12, 12 hours older. Sometimes you're 13 hours older. Big show True. off.
0: <laughs> uh kevin kelly i'm getting right to the tail end here and this is the final segment of the show finding about your favorite things it's a quick fire question for a quick fire answer kevin kelly are you ready we're ready okay here we go kevin kelly who's your favorite pro wrestler of all time
1: dusty Rhodes. do you
0: have a favorite match that you have called over the years
1: um No, that's a tough one. I would say Okada Omega from the Dome.
0: Very cool. Um, okay. So uh, there were times where you were actually a character I know in the ECWA with the
1: Alliance of Defiance. Uh do you Damn have right. a fa- do you
0: have a favorite adversary that you had in your time in, you know, as a character in Pro Wrestling?
1: Well, well, when the Haas brothers and I were not beating up the Briscoe brothers, uh, or assaulting their parents, um, starting riots. We we enjoyed uh, greatly beating up the Cheetah Master and uh, as much pain and punishment as we could give out to him and all of his adoring fans <laughs> in St. Matt's Parish. Ooh, we the Cheetah Master. Huh. I'll give you Cheetah Master right there.
0: You paid him Look. for the belt, too, didn't you? Sorry.
1: Damn skippy, hippie. One glorious month, ECWA champion. That crooked promoter, Jim Kettner, robbed me of my title and my glory.
0: getting away from wrestling now kevin uh, do you have a favorite book uh the bible wonderful uh do you have a favorite tv show
1: well that depends um probably seinfeld is is one that i can always go back and and watch um yeah i would say i would say seinfeld is probably my favorite all-time tv show
0: excellent choice uh do you have a favorite film
1: um, I've always loved Rocky. That gets me teared up. Caddyshack, though, Caddyshack's moving up there. I watched it without sound on the last flight. I just wanted to see what the um, um, what are they called? Subtitles were. I just uh, wanted to read it, and it was very funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very cool. Uh, do you have a favorite musical artist or band?
1: Oh man, uh. You know, David Lee Roth, Van Halen, always seems oh, to God. get, you know, get me, grab me. Uh, yeah, I love them. Excellent. Beautiful. Uh, I heard Beautiful Girls, Beautiful Girls for the first time yesterday in a long time. I haven't heard that song in a long time. Unchained had been coming up a lot on my Spotify, but Beautiful Girls came up yesterday. Wow, man, what a great song. I freaking love that song.
0: It's very cool. And yeah, Unchained is my favorite Van Halen song. Yeah. Um, Okay, getting away from the arts now, Kevin. I've got five more to go. your favorite food. Pizza. Excellent. That's usually the number one answer on this show. Uh, do you have a favorite place to eat on the road?
1: Ooh. Um, so in America, uh, you can't go wrong with uh Waffle House, <laughs> or that now of people say you can go wrong with Waffle House. That's part of the charm um is that fights could be breaking out all around you um or cracker barrel uh so that you can get the don't go messing with the country boy special um which is a christopher daniels frankie kazarian creation but it is the country boy breakfast but don't go messing with the country boy is how you're supposed to order it
0: right that's very cool uh, we don't have either of those establishments here in Australia. You have but Hungry Jacks.
1: You have Hungry Jacks, though. You Gino taught Jacks. me that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, he did. Um, uh, do you have a. Why? Because he's fat? Is that what you're saying? He's not fat anymore, you know? No, How dare you.
0: Hungry Jacks is a, is a staple of any Australian. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage? And if you don't drink, just a favorite beverage in general?
1: This coffee bug is very, very empty. And that will be filled in just a few moments with my favorite drink. I love coffee, 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 coffee. I'm not a drinker. I used to be, but I don't drink anymore.
0: Excellent. No problem. Uh, two more to go here. Okay. This is like the naughtiest one, Kevin. Uh, you see a good looking lady, you know, where will your eyes go to first? What is your favorite female attribute or, or, or body part?
1: Well, of course, her eyes first. Uh, And, you know, the color. Uh, If if one is really googly, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to her, Uh, (laughs) but no, no, the the eyes are where you're, you you know, and then of course, from there, probably to her boobs.
0: Very nice. No
1: problem. And her butt.
0: Yeah. That's another good one. Let's start
1: with the eyes. Anybody that says they don't look at the boobs or the butt lying.
0: Yeah. No, we've had, actually, uh, Mr. Don Morocco is a butt man, an ass man. Just Ooh. Um, That
1: was his answer. And I
0: like Nikita Koloff's answer. He says he likes the shape of a woman. I thought that was quite classy.
1: There you go. Yeah,
0: that's a nice one. Uh, Last one here, Kevin Kelly, favorite curse word?
1: I can't say it.
0: Oh, is it that one, is it?
1: No, 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 no. No, not that word. You guys (laughs) love that word. Oh,
0: yeah, we love it.
1: Mad dog, get mad dog.
0: (laughs) Gino's been showing you a lot of stuff, doesn't
1: he? All the boys have. Robbie Eagle showed it to me. Uh, (laughs) Kyle and and Davis showed me. Ah, Mad dog, get mad dog. Is is he still around Perth, by the way? Yeah, he is. Yeah. I want to go see him. That's why I (laughs) want to go to Perth. I just want to get booked so I can go find Mad dog and scream at him. (laughs) <laughs> the way those videos did. Oh, you know, it's a, the, the, it depends. Favorite curse word depends on the situation. Right. Sometimes a good F-bomb fits. Sometimes it's overkill, you know? Uh, I do try to avoid taking the Lord's name in vain, uh, but I will drop the F-bomb. Uh, so-and-so, uh, here's my favorite, and this is really one I learned in wrestling. Um, he's the shits. It's the way to describe a general person's, uh, you know, wrestling. He's the shits, um, but it also works for a lot of things. Uh, you know, this this mower is broken. Ah, this mower's the shits. Yeah, and that's my favorite.
0: That's very good, Kevin. I like that answer. Well, Kevin Please Kelly, I will. And and, uh, and you have been the opposite of the shits in this interview. This has been sort of fun. <laughs> Uh, My face hurts from laughter and smiling. So you've done a very good job here. And it's been so nice for me to have the chance to have a conversation with somebody that was a a, a part of the big thing that made my life completely go askew from, I was supposed to be a basketball player and a phys ed teacher. And then I just got obsessed with wrestling. So I've got people like you to thank for it, Kevin. You're
1: you're welcome.
0: (laughs) I, I appreciate it.
1: So when the family is shaking their head at you. Uh, they could blame me. That's totally fine.
0: <laughs> Excellent, Kevin. You're not well, the you shits again.
1: either, by the way, Carl. appreciate you.
0: <laughs> thank you, my friend. I really appreciate it. So thank you again. and and once again, most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, got a fan over here, my friend.
1: Awesome. Let's do this again. Can we please? Because absolutely.
0: yep, yeah, there's plenty more questions that I that I that I, I would have liked to have asked, but we 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 could do it again, you know, maybe in like a year and a half or something like that. It give some time. We can there you get go. Get together again, Kevin. But thank you again. And thank everyone out there for joining us here on the Insiders Edge podcast here on the WWA Network. I'm California. This is my new friend, Kevin Kelly. And we will see you down the road. Thank you. Network. That's
1: the way. We fly. Good God, Almighty. Network, that's the way we blind get puppies. Don't <laughs> pay network, that's the way we blind get all announcements has been paid for by the WZWA network.